Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Borg Warner. Feel good about driving. Bridgestone, your journey, our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems, improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. Hello and welcome to AutoLine Daily. And now the news. Well, you knew it wasn't going to take very long. The first of the lawsuits against General Motors over this ignition switch defect have already been filed. Bloomberg reports that a class action lawsuit was filed in Texas seeking to represent all owners of the 1.6 million cars involved in this recall. The plaintiffs say they want to recover between $6 billion and $10 billion because those cars will have lost value when their owners decide to sell them. That's the equivalent of giving $3,750 or all the way up to $6,250 to each owner. Well, here's my AutoLine insight. They're not going to get that kind of money. Plaintiff attorneys always shoot for the moon when they file these kinds of class action lawsuits, partly to grab headlines and partly to entice other car owners to join the lawsuit. Even if they manage to win a jury trial, these settlements are always greatly reduced when those cases are appealed and are settled by a judge, not a jury. General Motors stock has fallen about 10% to $34 a share since this ignition switch story broke, but one analyst firm sees this as a great buying opportunity. Payment Capital Management forecasts that GM stock should be trading in the high 40s in the next year to a year and a half. That's up more than 40%. I hope they're right, but before you run out and buy GM, be careful. I've seen plenty of people get burned by rosy projections for automotive stocks. We here at AutoLine try to keep you up to date on some of the latest technology coming out of the automotive industry. And one of those technologies is a system from Volvo that can detect how alert a driver may be and adjust the safety systems accordingly. It works by mounting a sensor to the dashboard that can monitor how open the driver's eyes are as well as his or her head position and angle. And that could then be relayed to the lane keep assist system or even the collision warning system. Volvo feels that this technology may be important for self-driving cars and it's already installed it in several test vehicles. The Insurance Institute for Highway Safety just conducted a series of tests that concluded that rear cameras are more effective than parking sensors at helping drivers avoid objects while traveling in reverse. But the IIHS conducted those tests in Los Angeles. And here's my AutoLine insight. The Insurance Institute is not testing these in the right places and not testing them thoroughly enough. It needs to test cars with camera lenses coated in dirt and dust and road grime. It also needs to test these cameras at night because some of them have terrible low light resolution. I don't understand why so many safety advocates are so gung-ho on backup cameras when I personally have experienced less than stellar performance from them. So here's a challenge to all you automotive engineers out there. We need something done to keep those camera lenses clean. Speaking of the Insurance Institute, coming up next, a look at what it takes to design a vehicle to meet that new crash test from the Institute, what they call small offset crashes. 
Dow Automotive Systems, driving solutions in automotive, commercial transportation, and aftermarket with innovative products like Betamate structural adhesives. Lighter, stronger, safer. DowBetamate.com. On AutoLine After Hours last Thursday night, we had Chuck Thomas from Honda, along with a crash-tested Acura MDX in the studio with the front end all smashed up. Chuck is the chief engineer for safety structures at Honda, and in the following clip, he explains how they designed that vehicle to meet the new small offset crash test developed by the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. So far, most other automakers have not designed their vehicles to meet this test. And you see this, this big orange thing coming out of uh, the base of uh, the A-pillar and the cowl of the vehicle running down all the way to the bumper beam. That's right. So, uh, and I've never seen anything like that on a car before. Right. It, it's, it's a little novel. Um, it's actually something that came out of the original ACE work that we did. And uh, this was the part we call the upper member. Um, traditionally, this part is very small because it would really only support the fender. Uh, but what we did is we extended it all the way down to the bumper beam to do two things effectively. Um, one is it helps support the bumper beam because our bumper beam is extended in this type of design. And let's, let's go back to that shot of uh, the bumper beam, of course, if you're looking at the screen is at the very bottom of the screen. It's just looks like a big uh, extrusion or stamping. The, that's the uncrunched one that we can see there on yeah. the side. And so usually the, the, the front members are what's commonly called the shotguns. The, the bumper beam is only as wide as they are. And when you're saying extended, this bumper beam goes out beyond the shotgun. Right. We want to have something that's outboard of the front side frame that's there to interact with in this type of crash. We just don't want empty air up there. We need a structure up there. But then we also need something to support that structure and something that can absorb energy during the crash as we move through the engine compartment. Because normally we would use the side frame. But in these types of crashes, the side frame is not very engaged. So one of the things you see, that large orange sort of trunk type shape is that upper member. And that structure actually absorbs a lot of the energy as it's crushed. And if you look at, say, the, uh, the other side of the vehicle where it is crushed, you can see how deformed it is uh, after the crash. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've got that shot up on the screen right now. I mean, it, it's just smashed. <laughs> and then once we kind of move through the engine compartment, What's left is, you know, the occupant space. So eventually the crash interface reaches where the occupant is. Mm -hmm. And what we want to have happen in this type of crash is we want to maintain the integrity of that occupant space. Because there's a lot of energy left. This crash is, is very severe. It's uh, run at 40 miles an hour. So there's a lot of kinetic energy, especially for a large vehicle like the MDX. So when that crash interface reaches the cabin, we need to have the cabin be strong enough to withstand whatever force is left without deforming. So what we've done with the MDX is where we use the highest strength steels, these like really hot, these really high strength hot stamp parts. And particularly the MDX has a ring, one piece of steel ring that forms the, the ring around the driver's door. And that structure provides a tremendous amount of strength. So when the crash interface and the chassis and everything else that's been driven back into the cabin reaches that, that area actually doesn't deform. And what that does is it produces a high force against the vehicle cabin. And that high force makes the cabin begin to rotate. So um, I didn't really bring any videos with me, but your audience can find plenty of them on YouTube on the, uh, the channel the Insurance Institute runs there. And you can see these kind of crashes. And what will happen is these uh, vehicles like the MDX, when the crash interface reaches the cabin, you'll see the vehicle beneath yaw very quickly. And that yawing is important because what that's doing is it's carrying that remaining energy away as kinetic energy. And it's dissipating that energy as the vehicle turns. Uh, because we want, to, we want to remove that energy from the equation. We don't want you to have to experience that energy in the crash. 
There's a lot more to that discussion that you can find on our website right now at Autoline.tv. Just look for Autoline After Hours. Then join us again this Thursday when our guest will be Mose Noland, who worked on so many of Ford's racing engines over so many decades. Anyway, that wraps up today's report. Thanks for watching, and please join us again tomorrow.